Hi, I'm Alex Terranova, and welcome to season one of the Trailblazers of Coaching, a group of what we might call the founders of the coaching profession. Our goal, to introduce you to some of the leaders of this rapidly growing industry and to provide history, advice, training, and some humor for all the future Trailblazers of Coaching. Your host in season one is Christopher McCullough, master certified coach, founder of Accomplishment Coaching, and a leader in the field since 1996. Joining Christopher in season one are Rich Maxwell, a professional certified coach and leader in the field since 1996. Dr. Don R. Booz, an author, professional certified coach, master practitioner in neuro-linguistic programming with a background in marriage and family therapy. Larry Williamson, a master certified coach and author, and Dr. Patrick Williams, an author, speaker, master certified coach, and psychologist turned executive coach. Welcome to the Trailblazers of Coaching. Chapter one, the secret to relationships. One of the things I wanted to talk about today or bring up to us to talk about was about uh, the changing roles of, you know, uh, racism and privilege. And, you know, we're a bunch of white cisgender men sitting around. But one of the things that's also true is that most of us are or are now, and many of us have been, everybody has been in a marriage for a while. So um, let's talk for a moment about relationships. <laughs> My favorite topic. I don't know if I have anything to say on those. No. <laughs> Not last week, of course. <laughs> That hasn't already been said. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start. Let's start with the easy softball, then, as we often do, which is uh, what's the what's what had what do you think is the secret to or when people talk to you about your marriage and your ability to hold a twenty-plus year marriage, what what do you think of the secrets? No communication. Uh, Open communication as much as possible. Yeah, Paige, we're sitting here. She and I would say the same thing. We're our we're each other's best friends. Yeah, we can spend all sorts of time together. You know, we don't have to go out on every weekend. You know, we're happy to sit down, you know, cook our meals, watch Netflix, take a nap, read a book. Right. That's fine as long as we're together. I can just say what? I agree with that, being best friends. And I think also too that anytime that I'm getting ready to do something, if it's not something that's going to improve our relationship or make it better, anything I was going to say or do is best left or unsaid or undone. So and I will criticize think about that. Criticism, umbrage, just being a grown gust. I think with there are ways to express things without criticizing. And and so it's if you have things you want to discuss, which everybody does, if we categorize it as criticizing, then we may take more of a negative approach with it. Well, if your partner or spouse wakes up on the wrong side of the bed and is just grumpy and hard to live with, they'll get over it. And you just, what? what's your story? You can space and time, you get the hell out of it. Well, I'm, I'm blessed I don't have to deal with that, number one. But if if that were to me, I'm thinking if, I, if that were any situation that would occur, then I may ask. If there's anything that, you know, you can do, if not, then leave it alone. Let the person go through it and get over it. Doesn't have to be an issue. And I would wait a while because it might pass and then you could say, well, what happened or what, what was on your mind yeah. or something like that, you know. 
Any different answers? Well, with my two past relationships, yes. one that ended in divorce and one that ended with a death, they both had the goods and the bads. And the goods were everything <laughs> these gentlemen just said, but they weren't the relationship that was always best friends. And so it's like, okay, tolerance, attempts at transformation, and eventually you just either stay with it. When, I mean, the first marriage was because the kids were young. It's like, I said, you know, I said, great, but, you know, didn't want to damage the kids. But the ideal is everything these gentlemen said, that if you can be in a relationship where you can form early on the ability to talk and of course for a man to listen. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and not try to <laughs> and not try to fix. <laughs> right, women? Yeah, I, I think the the more time you spend before you get married discussing these things and having an open dialogue about it and you lay things on the table and be very truthful, then you avoid a lot of those things down the road. I'm not sure. I, I take a bit of an exception with, with that. I'm not sure you avoid it as much as you get prepared for the changes that are coming. I mean, I think back on my 44 years of marriage, and I can see certain uh, points of inflection where things substantially changed. You know, we were four years we are four years apart in age, but she was 20, and I was 24, and at that age, that's a fairly wide difference. Mm -hmm. um, I was in graduate school; she was still in college um, and the relationship was more of in the early years was you know I was kind of the dominant partner um, but we hit a point where we were in Los Angeles where things were going south for me at work and uh, I was in therapy and actually she was in therapy too and there was in that the crucible of that really bad time um, our role shifted. She matured and grew into herself and, you know, became truly an equal partner and at times the dominant partner because I needed somebody to help me through because it was awful what I was going through. And, uh, you know, that then set a pattern for moving forward that was really different in terms of what life was like before that as we were growing into ourselves, growing into being together as a husband and wife. Uh, but yeah, cause we didn't spend a lot of time together. You know, we, we were engaged eight weeks after we met and we were married six months later, um, hardly time. And I was in graduate school, so I was back and forth. Yeah. Uh, so I can't say we invested a lot of time in the kinds of things you're talking about. Uh, you know, and we, we weren't from a faith tradition that, that like, you know, Catholics have the, the pre-cana training and that kind of stuff. Um, we didn't have that. So we figured that out as we went along. I think if I had that, you know, and had, whether it's pre-cana training or engaged encounter or, or whatever it is, that really some intensive time together, it might've made things easier going forward. But I think it's just, it, you prepare, you find your way to prepare yourself for these changes. And, and, you know, I think that's part of what makes our marriage great is that we're open to those changes. Has everybody had that feeling of, of when something fundamentally shifted in your partnership of your marriage? Mm -hmm. When he mentioned that, and I, you know, 
I kind of go hooked on that word, the dominant one at the time. And I think that varies. And in, in Carolyn and my relationship, I think if you really have an appreciation and gratitude for the strengths that they bring in, I don't know that there is a real dominant one. It's going to depend on the circumstance. Right, exactly. It's, I going, think it's, it's going to, yeah, it's going to shift. It's like a good leadership situation. I could be the titular leader of the group, yeah. but at any given moment, somebody else could be leading the group. Yeah. It's the same thing in our marriage. There are times when, you know, Paige takes point, so to speak, yeah. and, you know, it just happens, occurs naturally. Sometimes it's, would you like me to deal with this? Yeah. And, um, do you have different areas where some that are her domain and some that are yours? Oh, yeah. I, you know, if it has to do with, um, you know, anything that's aesthetic, because <laughs> all my taste is in my mouth. Um, you know, I defer to her and I'm fine with that. You know, I, I lay claim to, well, I've got final veto power, which I've never once, <laughs> you know. That's got to make you wonder if you have it. I don't. I, I, I don't even pretend that I do. You know, because I see things and I go, really? That's what we're going to put on the walls? And she goes, oh, it's going to be great. And you know what? It's always great. Yes. So I, but there are times in, you know, if, if something needs to be done that requires an enormous amount of organization and structure, Rich, can you take, can, help me with this? Yeah. You know, when our son got married, we had two venues. He got married here on the beach at Seabrook. And then we went back to Raleigh a week later and had a big party reception kind of thing. So Paige had to plan two events. And it was kind of like, you know, overwhelmed. Well, so what do I do? You know, I go out and I Google how to prepare for a marriage. And, you know, they give you all this, there's all sorts of stuff out there. And I created a notebook for it. I put dividers in it and, you know, a section for contracts for the venue and, you know, all this stuff. And she come in, you know, as she was moving through the process, she go, she come to me kind of anxious to say, what do I do about this? And I said, have you looked in your book? And she goes, oh yeah. I book. She goes back to book and says, oh, there it is. You know, but she relies on me to do that. Yeah. So it's, you're right. It's, you know, it's kind of, you know, after a while, this is something I should be taking the point on or she should be taking the yeah. point on. And it's, it's not a matter of ego of I always have to be in that lead role. We share it. And that's yeah, kind of the point. Absolutely. You've been quiet for a while. I think that's a complex question and it's a very complex answer. About being no, about being uh, in a marriage. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, thanks for saying so. Me too. Yeah, I thought it, was just it takes a hell of a lot of work and energy. And and I love. She's my best friend. We've been married forty six years. We work well together, but we have friends. And we could, we're in the car and said, I could not be married to him for one week. She says, or I say, I ten minutes with that woman, I'd be I'd be filing for a divorce. I think it, it's, uh, it requires a tremendous amount of flexibility um, and when to keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, is this something I'm going to die on the filter I use? Is, oh, th does it need to be said? Need to be said by me? Need to be said by me now? And she uses Pick the your same battles. filter. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I would add to all of that that there's a philosophy that I have, and, and at the best of my relationships, is that. If you if you think you love the person and you get together and say we want to live together, then what is the lesson? Why did that person come into your life? I think everybody that shows up in our life is there to teach us something. Sometimes that's hard to swallow. It's like, what am I learning? And what am I doing 
in this relationship that I don't see from mm. her perspective that maybe I'm, where am I rubbing the wrong way? You know, my dad said, and it's been said by many, but don't let the sun set in your anger. Well, that was good philosophy, but with both my wives, they didn't always abide by that. <laughs> I would say I, we made a major transition when I became a therapist and then now a coach. We have more respect for each other. Mm -hmm. We say thank you, whereas earlier in our marriage, we wouldn't say thank you or appreciate you getting the mail today or those right. kinds of things. Right. Those didn't even come on our vocabulary or appreciation. Yeah, we do the other thing, like, oh, did you not get the mail? Fine, I'll get the mail. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that little resentments where you could bring appreciation and just right. job. Mm -hmm. And you just said a key word. I think the, uh, I've written about it many times saying that it is easy to fall in love with someone, mm -hmm. but you never get the full benefit of a relationship until you truly learn to appreciate them. Yeah, and if you are focusing on what you really appreciate for uh, of the other person, you're not going to be focused on what it is you have a challenge with. Mm -hmm. When something does go wrong, the first question that I want to ask myself is, okay, what could I have done or what did I do? Rather than pointing the finger at somebody else. Now, that sounds good, and I, I take nothing away from it. You've literally written a book on successful relationships. Yes. What do you struggle with in your own? Myself, my own behavior. Such as? Um, for instance, Carolyn has a, an incredible, it's hard to meet Carolyn and not like her immediately. And I have a tendency to speak up or to do things or say things that I question myself on later, where I can much easily turn people in another direction than Carolyn can. Gotcha. And that's that's one of my biggest struggles. And she helps me with that. Yeah, but what is the issue in the relationship? With you? I'm, I'm looking at your primary relationship. Yeah, I'm looking at your marriage. What do you still struggle with? Even after writing a book, even after all these years. Again, myself, sometimes being too quick, speaking up without um, without my put, without putting myself in another person's position, I can be, I can, I am much quicker to be frustrated. I'm much quicker to hang up, to speak up or, you know, express something. And I don't need to do that. That's probably one of my biggest struggles right now. Thanks. Yeah. What about you all? Even you, perfect marriages, what do you do? I was far from perfect, but it's fulfilling. You know, yeah, I, I, it's the same thing. It's more the older I get, I think the more self-aware I've become. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know, I when to choose your battles. Do I really want to die on this rock? Um, like I mentioned, you when we were out in the kitchen. I, you know, Paige is always cooked. I mean, like I said, I, the only thing I make is chili, and I do that twice a year. That's my sole contribution on the front end of the kitchen work. <laughs> but there was a point in time I remember when. We were living in Raleigh, and the kitchen was always a mess. And I said, why don't you clean up after yourself? This is what I was saying in my head. I mm. didn't say this to her. Yeah. And uh, well, part of the maturation process is it's just because it's here doesn't mean it has to come out here. Um, but I finally came to the realization, wait a minute, this is about me. I want my kitchen clean. And if I want it clean, then clean it. Clean. And you know what? She's doing all, she does the shopping, she does the preparation, she 
cooks the food, she puts it on the table. Why shouldn't I take responsibility for cleaning up the kitchen? Damn right. Absolutely. You know? And I feel good about cleaning up the kitchen. You know? And it, that, I mean, that's a simple example, but that's part of, I think, growing into one another. And, you know, it's paying attention to your own personal growth and then translating that in. How does, how does that contribute? And how can I allow that to contribute positively to our relationship? And I think people sometimes can go into a relationship with expectations. And expectations are always about the other individual. And the more that we can learn to let go of that and realize why I might expect something. It's, I know that in my house, if I lay a pair of pants on the chair in the corner, mm -hmm. it's going to be there until I pick it up. That's just, that's just the reality of it. And it, you know, and why not? You know, the other thing too, you, you, somebody kind of touched on the, the ages and stages of a relationship. You might be in sync at the beginning and then things happen, whether it's having children or an illness or just, just patterns of living, job changes that you get out of sync. You're not, you know, and so that communication that y'all mentioned and it's best in a relationship needs to be there for what the other's going through or what you're going through in that age and stage of your life. I, I mean, in my idealistic view of, of a perfect relationship, it's what uh, Cahill Gibran said, let there be spaces in our togetherness. You know, that's just because if you're like couple, 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 you're going to smother each other. You got to have the space to be yourself and then have the marriage be the third entity. The thing that struck me while I'm sitting here listening to is also priorities. If you're really clear on your priorities, it makes it easier. With my priority being Carolyn and with her cancer diagnosis, I knew that was my priority. And it was easy to do because that's where we wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So important. I appreciate that. I'm a little concerned we're getting into, you know, I think, I think the value for a lot of times is when we talk about things that are either not working or are more of a challenge. Thanks for hanging out with the trailblazers of coaching. Who's a coach or leader you know that needs to hear or see these episodes? Share it with one person today. We believe everyone is capable of success and is entitled to living a healthy, powerful, loving, and adventurous life. And we know that becomes even more possible through the power of coaching. We hope you enjoyed this episode, learned something, and you join us again. Maybe one day you will also become a trailblazer of coaching.